0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. As I mentioned last week, the church during the end of the Coptic year reminds us of the end of time. So when we listen to all of these words, and some of them are very frightful and really get us any thinking. And the Lord echoed or in the accounts of Matthew's gospel, echoed the same thing as was in last week in Mark's gospel. He says that many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. And we began speaking last week about the betrayal within the family. And actually, if you look about it, think about it, it's because the love will grow cold. The love for parents for their children and children for their parents. This will lead to the degradation and the betrayal of the family. Last week we spoke about how parents can betray their children. And we said that parents can betray their children due to a sinful addiction, due to perhaps greed for money, and for the sake of making money, they neglect the needs of their children. The lack of discipline, the lack of disciplining their children, the lack of spiritual training, showing them the way of life and the way of salvation, and loving them in a conditional way, only when they produce some some kind of result or they meet some kind of standard. And lastly, we said injustice, when there's injustice within the family. But there is one that after I finished the sermon that I was thinking about to myself and I thought there's one more that I wanted to add to the list uh, before I address the young ones. And that is poor marital example. Poor marital example. Maybe I Maybe I don't know if I can't give it in Arabic and it's not fitting, but I'll try to mention here and there a um, couple of points. What is the effect when the parents um have this poor marital relationship and conflict in front of the children? Uh, this impacts the children in many ways and perhaps we don't consider. And unfortunately sometimes maybe you don't even care. I hate to say it. Um, it leads, it leads to an emotional impact on the child. The child will feel feelings of anxiety. Why? Because he doesn't feel that the home is stable. And if you think about the home ought to be a safe place, a safe haven. And when that home is no longer safe because there's fighting in the home, He won't find it anywhere, right? But this produces in him some kind of anxiety, fear, um, and confusion. A place that he doesn't feel secure. He won't feel secure anywhere. And he'll live his life with this insecurity. And because of this insecurity, he will not be able to trust anyone or have difficulty trusting anyone. But you'll find his relationship with his friends ashab, because he can't trust them. Because he can't trust them. He's not connected to you because he can't trust you either. Because you're always... Um, it also will ultimately lead to a negative view of God. Because naturally for the child, um, the first people they encounter... Where they ought to feel a sense of trust, protection, love, respect is their parents. And their parents are ought to provide for their children all these needs. So when the child grows in an environment where these needs aren't met, then ultimately he will learn not to trust his parents. And in the beginning to the children that are young, their parents are God. Their parents are God. Protector, the lover, the provider. The one who loves and respects them. And as the child grows, this transforms when he understands that humans are limited and his parents are limited and gets to understand the concept of God and who he is and what he did for us. Then this translates easily from parents to God. But if the idea of, or if the image of my parents is disrupted and disturbed, the image of God will also be disturbed. So just as a child won't be able to trust his parents, he will not trust God either. And if he doesn't trust God, how will he love him? So this has this negative impact also on the child's view of God. Simply because we are in the house of how what it gets to. It gets to be like this. and we see the end result of this, we want to see the end any result of this. And the research has suggested that, uh, and you can again you can observe this in your own yani, uh, observations, that the patterns by which a child grows, they're likely to replicate that in their own life. For example, either the child will grow and not desire to have any kind of marital or relationship, or they will get married, and they will choose spouses with Khanumahum. Because all they learned was what this is how a marriage ought to be So even if there's nothing to be any yani, upset about they're going to find something in because this is what I understand marriage to be. but you see it goes from generation to generation, and what you find when we allow this danny to persist is it will never negatively impact the child themselves, and then this will in turn. Uh, as they grow into adulthood will impact their family the church they grew up in the community they grew up in and the world that they grew up in if you look at a lot of the problems in our world today if you look at the root cause of it it's the degradation of the family the degradation of the family if you look in the history of this country from the 80's uh, there was a law that was passed called the no fault divorce law meaning that you know, Actually, before this time, it was very difficult in America to get a divorce. And you had to have a Magnus kind of like we go through for kinesa. It was very difficult. But ever since the passing of this law, it just took one individual to say, I'm out, I'm tired, I'm done. And that was it. It was made very easy. So if you look from the 80s until now, the rate of divorce has skyrocketed. Because there's not that sense of commitment and dedication. Really, the decisions we make between my spouse and I and how we handle our conflict will impact the future generations to come. This was it. Okay? Let's turn our attention to how the children betray their parents. <clears throat> Number one is by dishonoring them. By dishonoring them. And we all, Taban, we know the verse, honor your father and mother. So the first, so we'll begin by asking the question why should ch- uh, children honor their parents? The first one is because it's a divine command. God commanded us to He says honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. It's so the ten, the fifth commandment, right, of the 10 commandments. Honor your father and mother. And as we said, why is this among the commandments is because when we learn to honor our parents, we will learn to honor who? God. And if we dishonor our parents, who will we dishonor? God as well. We didn't say this was much uh, passion. He said the first part, but he didn't say the second part. And then he says what in Leviticus? Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Notice what he does here. He makes the connection that I just made. He said, every one of you shall revere his mother and father and keep my Sabbaths. So he connected the two into one sentence. When we revere our mother and father, then we will revere God and His Sabbath, His holiness. right? And when we don't, the same also happens with God. And St. Paul echoes in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. The second reason perhaps uh, children need to honor their parents Is to show them gratitude. Gratitude for what? Gratitude for their sacrifice. We don't learn, perhaps, as as children, you know, to dishonor our parents until after we've become, you know, maybe of age and adolescent. So that meaning from the time you were in your mother's womb until you reached about 10, 11, and 12, all of this time your parents cared for you, nurtured for you, provided for you, did all of these things. And perhaps maybe some didn't even say thank you. And they did this lovingly, willingly, and just out of their love for you. So when we show, we show our parents an honor when we tell them thank you. Not simply by our words, but also by our actions as well. Whether that be, you know, helping them when they ask for it, asking about them when they maybe are tired or seem to be upset and so on. Honoring them shows our gratitude for their love, for their care, and for their support. The third reason perhaps children need to honor their parents is to, uh, because it teaches them to honor and respect authority. Not respecting authority has many negative impacts in our life. Um, the first is that it produces a rebellious heart. If I can't respect my parents and any authority, or the, my first authority which would be my parents, then all the rest of the authority figures in life or in my life will also be challenged. And this will tend to make many enemies for a child. Also, not uh, not respecting authority hinders my own growth. Why? Because we often grow or we always grow in a system where there's an authority figure. In the family, children will have parents. When I graduate, uh, when I go to college or university or school, the authority figure is the professor or the teacher. When I get my first job, my authority figure is the boss, right There's always an authority figure, so if I learn to disregard the authority, then what happens? I'll find trouble in every aspect of my life because there's always some kind of authority figure, even if I'm I live on the streets, you know there's a police officer who's a, a symbol of authority right, and the person who um enforces the law also the breakdown of order will be will will, will happen if we don't. Um, heed authority. And this will lead to anarchy, chaos and every one of those, whether it's within me, whether it's in my family, whether it's in my community or in my country. Also, ultimately, as I mentioned, when we disregard authority, this will lead to rebellion against God. Listen to what St. Paul says about honoring the authority. In Romans chapter 13, he says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. He didn't mention here the authorities that are Christian, the authorities that believe the same thing that you do. He makes it a general statement. As Christians, we ought to heed the authority. Of course, when the authority... um, uh. Goes against our faith and our belief. This is where we challenge it. Right? But as long as it's there, and you know, he'll explain in a minute, if we keep going, he'll explain what he means. He says, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. So do what is good and you will have praise from those in authority. This is how we ought to try to conduct ourselves as Christians. Whether it be with authority in our homes, by listening and honoring to our parents, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in school. Some kids will come and say, but the teacher doesn't like me, she's picking on me. Do I cause the teacher to pick on me? Am I constantly interrupting the class? Am I talking to my friend while she's talking? Do I make jokes or something while she's talking or in class? Do I distract other students? Am I causing the teacher not to like me because of my conduct? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. Lastly, dishonoring the uh, uh, the authority will teach the art of unity. How to be... United uh, to one another, and you really humility is necessary for harmony and unity in our life. So, how is it that we respect our children, our our parents as children? Number one, we obey them. Very easy. Number two, we respect them. We speak with them with grace. When we disagree, we don't need to yell and raise our voice. We stay at our point. Usually, be anything beyond this becomes disrespect, and then you'll find what happens is. We're leaving the issue that we're talking about between me and my parents and now we're talking about my disrespect towards them. Right? So now the offense becomes the disrespect. Speak with them with respect. Listen to their wisdom and advice. Again, they've lived longer than us, they've seen everything and there's nothing new under the sun. The lingo on social media and online might be different. But the same thing that you're going through as a young person, your parents went through the same. There's no difference. Just the ter- terminology is different. The same sins we see and commit today are the same ones they committed hundreds of year- thousands of years ago. The sins of Sodom and Gomorrah—they're the same that many commit today, right? And that are out there. There's no difference. So heed the wisdom and advice of your parents. Serve them. They served you for many years. When they became to a point where they can no longer serve you, serve them. This is our obligation as children towards their parents. Reconcile with them. If you've offended them and hurt them by the words that you say, go back and reconcile with them. Just because they're your parents, it doesn't mean they're immune to feelings. They also get hurt and they're saddened by our actions. Their love will be never, will, will be unwavering. But they still have feelings and your words have meaning. And lastly, live a godly life. If you can ask many, uh, you know, parents, what would you like, you know, your children to be? Or how would you like them to live? To live a godly life in my absence. Maybe this is the desire for every parent. To live a God fearing life in my absence. I don't want to have to go there and wake him up to pray or remind him to pray, to read the Bible, to come to church. To treat people with kindness, to help one another. I don't want to have to remind them of this. I want them to do this on their own. So lead a godly life, and this way I will honor my parents. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first command with promise. So he said, dishonoring our parents is the first way we betray them. The second way we betray our parents is where with, uh, with their conflict between values. So the values that they hold high, I I don't. So it's when my behavior is not in line with the values of my parents. And we see this in the story of the prodigal son where the younger son has a life that he wants to live in his mind. And he understands that this life I cannot live in my father's house. So what does he do? He leaves. He puts a fracture in the family. Children rise up against parents when the value of the child is different from the value of his parents. And if you look at this story, what is the result? Who suffered in this story? Did the father suffer? Did the father suffer? Yes, Yes, because he stayed outside all day waiting for his son to return. So he suffered. But who really suffered? It was the younger son. Ra yani he could have been any any lola the Lord Jesus was telling the story. maybe this prodigal son may have not made it right, so he suffered when he left his father's house, he suffers when children rebel and betray their parents, who suffers? they will suffer they will suffer. The third thing that perhaps causes children to betray their parents is greed also he said. Sometimes the greed for money causes parents to betray their children. Sometimes greed in the children produces a betrayal and to their family uh, and their parents. Sometimes it's for the, the children have uh, an eye of greed for whatever their parents might have, whether it's wealth, authority, influence, fame, whatever it is. And we see this, for example, in the Old Testament, in a, name, a man whose name was Akan, and he was the son of Carmi, right? So his, Carmi was his father, and he was, Akan was his son. And they were there around the time where they were going after they defeated Jericho, right? The Lord told them, don't take anything from Jericho. It was a very wealthy city. Don't take anything, destroy everything. And Akan said, haram, there's gold and all this nice, precious things there. Why would I destroy this? Let me just hide a little bit in my house under of my tent, and no one will notice. So he goes and he disregards God's command and he knows from experience that when we disobey God's command, this results in many people suffering. And this is exactly what happened. They went up against a small little country called Ai and because Akhan stole these things from Jericho, they fell at Ai and 36 men died because of this man's greed. 36 men died because of this man's greed and then when god uh, when joshua came and said lord why did we fall to them and said there's somebody who was disobedient among you so joshua gets all the people and said this is what god said there was somebody disobedient i want everybody to gr- you know group up in family and clan and you know just stay together and then he says okay this family come forward and the cons in the middle there he re- doesn't realize that you know what God is beginning to point me out. Let me repent. Let me say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Maybe when I do this, I would spare my clan and my family. But he doesn't do this until God gets him. He brought his clan and then his family, just him and his brothers and sisters, and then he said, it's you. And then finally says, oh, I've sinned. Well, it's too late. You've been judged. It's too late. So his greed caused the suffering and harm of his whole family. And his father was among them. We look also in the history of the world, the the temptation or desire to be a king caused many princes to rebel and kill their fathers and mothers simply because they had the greed for the throne. Same thing with Absalom. We spoke a little bit about him last week. Absalom had many reasons why he wanted to usurp the throne from David. And among them, you know, was his greed. So what did he do? He began to stand in the gate of the city. Rather than the people coming through the city to the house of David, the judgment place, the court, he stood at the gate and he began to judge the people with the authority of him being the prince. He began to judge them. And You can go through the normal channel. And this is like going through the city. It would take days, right? Right? Just an hour and we finished the whole thing. So he stood at the gate, for all the people would go to him, and he'd finish everything for them and judge them, and that would be it. And look what the Bible says. In this manner Absalom acted towards all Israel who came to the king for judgment, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Stole the hearts of the men of Israel because of his greed for the throne. Sometimes my beloved greed will cause division between parents and their children. I mean children and their parents. Another reason perhaps why children betray their parents is heeding rebellious counsel. Again, if we go to the story of Absalom, there was a man whose name was Ahithophel. And we mentioned him in the the litanies. Uh, to, that God dispersed the council of the enemy as he dispersed the council of Ahithophel. And he advised Absalom, in order to usurp the throne, to take his, um, uh, unofficial wives, the concubines, and possess them in front of the whole people. And this would create a clear, um, image in front of the people that he is claiming the throne of David. And at this time, David fled. Because he didn't want to fight his own son. Thankfully, there was another man who told, uh, Absalom, don't do this to your father because he's a man of war and he will, you know, certainly, you know, kill you. So thankfully, he, this council was overthrown. Um, but the idea is here that he heeded this rebellious council. This rebellious council are those people who tell us to disobey our parents object to the rules that they have for you how to hide you know your actions from your parents all of these are rebellious counsels the ones who tell us and seed in our heart to rebel against our parents remember in this first psalm the church reminds us with this every morning blessed is the man who what? who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly so the church is reminding us every morning Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't walk among those who teach you to rebel against your parents, and against authority. Don't heed their advice. And in uh, St. Paul in Corinthians says, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good morals, corrupts good habits. Some, my beloved, allow their peers to influence them to disobey their parents. They teach them how to lie to their parents how to hide their thoughts, actions, and intentions from their parents. And Solomon the wise tells us in Proverbs, leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Leave the presence of a fool. The last reason perhaps why children rise against their parents is a sense of entitlement. The child has the sense of entitlement. And what is entitlement? It's the belief that I am owed Unearned privileges and am exempt from responsibility. So I'm owed. I owe people owe me um, unearned privilege. So it's a privilege that I feel people owe me, and but I didn't do anything for it, and I'm exempt from the responsibility. Again, if we return to the passage of the prodigal son or the lost son, this son felt entitled to his share of the inheritance pr- prematurely. He said, "Half of my father's wealth is mine." Although he didn't do anything to earn it. His father's still alive. It's not his time to take this. But he felt that this was his. He was felt entitled. There was another man in David's life, his brother, um, who felt a little bit entitled. His name was Eliab. When it came time where Goliath was standing in front of the people of Israel and challenging them, what does it say? It says, Now Eliab his older brother heard when he uh, spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, so he heard David speak to Saul about how he can go take him on. I'll go take him on. So Eliab heard David say this to the king and then what does he say to David? Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Meaning you're supposed to be somebody who shepherds the sheep. Why did you leave them and come here? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. So he's basically accusing David of having a conceited heart because he expressed interest to fight Goliath. Eliab thought perhaps that this should have been, he should have been considered for the job and not David. He looked at his brother and he felt entitled to what his brother perhaps was taking from him. An entitled child who thinks he or she is owed or deserves better, he may be tempted to leave his family thinking that he can get what he truly deserves outside of his home. And he'll be fooled because the world doesn't function this way. We don't reward someone who hasn't earned anything. I can't go to the university and say, you know what, I want to apply for this university but please give me my PhD before I begin. They're going to laugh at you and say, go home. I'm not going to go to a job and begin a job and say, sir, do you mind paying me the salary of the CEO? Because I just graduated and have my doctorate degree. He's going to say, get out of town. You're not hired here. The world doesn't work this way. So if we think that I'm deserved things without earning them and I have no responsibility, this might lead a child to rebel against his family, thinking that he will find this outside or she will find this outside, but they won't. They won't. And again, as we said in the story of the lost son, who will suffer? Be me as a child. I will suffer. The Lord told us today that many will be offended in the end days and will betray one another. And we spoke a little about how parents betray their children and today how children betray their parents dishonoring them. There's a conflict between values, between children and parents. Greed within the hearts of children. Heeding rebellious counsel and a sense of entitlement. I remind us all, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.